It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On today's show, we'll be joined by weekly co-host Ben Dubose to discuss the Houston Rockets losing a close, hard-fought game at home against the Dallas Mavericks. Jabari Smith Jr. played some fantastic defense on Luka Doncic in the first half, so what exactly happened that let Luka go off in the second half? Jalen Green struggling to shoot the ball from the floor, but getting to the free-throw line at an encouraging rate. Kevin Porter Jr. continues to score the ball efficiently, and Alperin Shingoon makes his return to the Rockets lineup and does wonders for the offensive integrity of this team all of that and more coming up right here at locked on rockets this is mission control houston ignition sequence start the houston rockets select jalen green and jabari smith jr t-minus 15 seconds guidance is internal every time i step on that floor i'm coming you're getting somebody who's gonna come in with a chip on their shoulder somebody who's gonna come come in and compete from day one six five four three Two, one. What's up and welcome to another edition of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and credentialed media member. I'm also the host of Locked on NBA Mondays, host of the State of the Rockets podcast, as well as Rockets Watch. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin and the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, free and available wherever you listen to your podcast, including YouTube, where you can help us out tremendously by commenting anything below on the YouTube page. It helps out a ton. Now, today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. Joining us now is our weekly co host, none other than the Podfather himself, Rockets Wire editor and host of the Logger line, Ben Dubose. You can follow on Twitter at Ben Dubose. Here to talk about. This most recent Rockets game, which I think, Ben, as far as things have kind of gone, especially, you know, the way December has looked with some of the losses that this Rockets team has had, it's another loss. Yes, it's another L in the column, but I feel like this game could be, it can be viewed as good for a lot of different reasons. They, you know, this Rockets team, they lost 111-106 to the Mavericks, a little bit too much, too much Luka Doncic in the second half, but I really enjoyed how they kind of came out with a chip on their shoulder in the immediate aftermath of the whole Eric Gordon, no improvement comments from New Year's (laughs) Eve, and there were a lot of, a lot of things that I think can be taken away as positives from this game, ultimately. Yeah, for sure. Even the guy who struggled from the field, Jalen Green, shot 5 of 17. Well, he got to the free throw line 12 times. That's the one area of growth for him this season. I think we've largely been disappointed, especially the last month or so, with how poorly he shot the ball. But he's now at 6.0 free throw attempts per game this season, which is a huge increase from 3.5 a year ago. And it seems to be getting a lot higher than that as the season progresses. So even with Jalen, that's one area that he's getting better. And we saw him do that last night, getting there 12 times. Look, to me, last night was a testament to the value of Alper and Shingun. That game Saturday when he didn't play because of back soreness, it was the ugliest offensive stretch I've seen all season. And it really relayed, it, it really emphasized to me just how important he is to what they need to do offensively. He's the one consistent creator. We can talk about how he should be a hub more often than he is. But that game against the Knicks where they scored just 88 points, I believe, and 
really of those 88, 35 came in the first quarter, which tells you how ugly it was. The final three barely broke 50. Just an ugly, awful game on the offensive end of the floor. And then last night, even though he shot just seven times, making five, the offense ran through him very, very well. It got a lot of decent looks for KPJ and Jalen as shooters, as cutters from time to time. And I think this just sort of hit home that you do need to run more through Alper and Shingun. Because the bottom line, when we talk about what's gone wrong for the last month or so, it's really the offensive end of the court. The Rockets in November, when we saw some promising signs, I went back and looked up the data. They were ranked 17th in the NBA in offense. In December, they were dead last. For the season as a whole, they are second to last, number 29 of the 30 teams. And this is a team that has an offensive head coach in Steven Silas. That was his pedigree before coming to Houston. Three of what I think most people view as their top four prospects, Jalen Green, Jabari Smith Jr., Alperin Shingun, KPJ, everyone but Jabari is tilted towards offense. And yet... For the past month, especially, it has been absolutely dreadful. So the current system, for one way or another, isn't working. I know it's popular to sort of pile on to Kevin Porter Jr., but honestly, the past month, he's propped them up a bit. He's played as well as you could expect. His true shooting percentage since the end of November is over 58. For the season now, it's right at 55. He had 25, 6, and 6 last night, which continued a strong run from him. We saw last week he had those two games in Chicago and Boston with 18 assists to two turnovers. So as much as KPJ is everyone's favorite whipping boy, at the end of the day, it's not like he's letting you down. I think it's more the system as a whole that has let you down. And if you want to look at just the past couple of games, the biggest difference from when they scored 88 against the Knicks to when they scored 106 last night, and honestly could have had more than that. They had some open shots, including Jabari in the final minute they just didn't make. The, the biggest difference is Alper and Shingun. And when you think structurally, how can you change things for the second half of the season? We're almost at the midpoint relative to the first half. It's more usage of Alper and Shingun. That's what the last two games, seeing the Rockets offense with Without him on Saturday and how disastrous that looked compared to having him against Dallas, a good Dallas team. And really, uh, other than a couple of small stretches in the second half, they seemed to hum on the offensive end of the court. It was beautiful basketball, especially the first three quarters. And so even though they lost, yeah, a lot to like. And I think it emphasizes just how important Alperen Shingun can be and should be to this team. He's just, you know, talking about Al P, right, and what he provides to this team, he is just, he's that connective tissue piece offensively, right, to where, you know, Garuba has shown some ability, you know, in, in short stints to be able to kind of make those reads, make some passes out of the short roll, that kind of thing, but he doesn't have anywhere near the gravity that Shingun does, right? Shingun right. is the one guy, good friend of the program, Roosh Williams says this all the time, so I want to give him the credit for it, but right, Shingun is the one player on this team that consistently draws a double team, and that is true, that's factual. Nobody else on this Rockets team can consistently and reliably draw two players to then get the defense in rotation to where it creates easy opportunities for his teammates. And I think that was very much on display in the first quarter of this game, Ben. Shingun had three dimes in like the first six minutes yep. of the game because he would get the ball either at the elbow or on the low block and he would start to you know back his defender down and the defense would have to rotate yep. over, commit, do something. And we saw we saw Jabari get an early cut and an easy bucket right at the rim. We saw Kevin Porter Jr. cut at one point when Al P had the ball in the middle of the paint and Al P found him for an easy, not quite dunk, but right, you know, a layup right at the cup. It's those moments where when the guys are moving around Al P when he has the basketball, you yeah. start to see those easy opportunities really open up. Yeah, and it sets the tone for how the defense covers you for the rest of the game. I think those opening possessions, like you talked about, made the Mavs shift a certain way, and then it unlocks more of the game for guys like KPJ and Jalen to do their thing in isolation, which, you know, not going to say that they didn't run any last night, but again, I think just doing them 
off of some of the initial Shingun action will give you more favorable coverages and more opportunities to attack. And we saw that, especially with Kevin Porter Jr. And I just think, you know, the sexy storyline would be that, wow, the Rockets just rallied together after Eric Gordon's no improvement comments. I think what really happened in reality, I mean, could that have benefited them a little bit? Sure. And Eric Gordon did play very well last night, made half of his threes. He seemed to play with a certain level of intensity. So maybe he wanted to lead by example. But I just think the bigger difference. between Some improvement from Eric Gordon, if you will. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I think the bigger difference, though, is just that simply that they had Alper and Shingun. And as we head towards the second half of the season, look, that's something they need to experiment with more and more. We've talked about it before, but this is a season about experiments. Kevin Porter Jr. at point guard is an experiment. We talked about that before. That's certainly not the long-term solution or not a proven long-term solution. They're trying it. And so with Shingun, can we talk about his limitations defensively? Can we talk about his propensity for getting into foul trouble? He had five last night, although, boy, that last one against Christian Wood was just a backbreaker, a terrible call when Wood stuck out his three, became a four-point play, and it should have been an offensive foul. Just a a terrible job. And of course, Silas couldn't challenge it because he used his challenge early in the game. Not going to criticize him for that because he got a three-point flip because K.J. Martin had a three-point play at the end of the first quarter. Uh, Dwight Powell clearly had his foot inside the circle and somehow they missed it hashtag uh, or at official NBA refs. Uh, you know my style on Twitter. Go after them for that. But but yeah, I just think the second half of the year, it's more Alper and Shingun. That's the obvious adjustment. Not saying he's perfect. Again, the defensive issues are real, but it's not like the current way is working either. Again, with all of these resources tilted towards offense, even in the context of other rebuilding teams. Yes, they're young. The Rockets are last or second to last in offense for the, the last month. For the season as a whole, you've got to change something. Are there limitations with LP? Sure. But I think that is the obvious lever to pull that they haven't already. To me, more of Alper and Shingun as a hub, that, that makes the most sense for the second half of the season. Because as the team is currently constructed, really, that's the only way that I can think to dramatically change this offense. And let's be honest, be it the coaching, the players this is broken. Something needs to shift. They should not be, even in the context of rebuilding teams, as bad as they have been on offense. Something needs to change. In my opinion, uh, higher usage for Alper and Shingun is the most obvious sort of internal candidate to do that. Coming up, we'll get into more takeaways from this Mavericks Rockets game. Ew, I don't know why I led with Mavericks there. That's gross. It's 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 the box. It's the box score in front of me. I'm blaming that. Coming up, more takeaways from this Rockets Mavericks game. Uh, how the Rockets defended Luka Doncic throughout this game. What the differences were in the first half to the second half, as well as dealing with some of that foul trouble. Luka getting to the free throw line an absurd amount in this game, as well as hey, we've got our New Year's resolutions for this Houston Rockets team. So stick around for that. But today's episode is brought to you by Pride picks. Next game, I'm taking Jalen Green to score more than 24.5 points. What about Alperin Shingun to have more than 7.5 rebounds? Or maybe KPJ, we'll say, I mean, less than 8.5 assists seems like pretty safe. And what about Jabari Smith Jr.? Less than 3.5 three-pointers. He's been in a bit of a shooting funk lately. So, what is prize picks, right? Basically, it's daily fantasy sports, but how does it work, right? You pick two to six players, and if they score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 25 times back on your money on any entry that you submit. There's no competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections that are available. Prize picks offers projections on any sport that you watch. That's NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, PGA, you name it. They've got you covered over at prize picks. Download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up to play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code LOCKEDON. If you deposit $100, PrizePix will give you $100. If you deposit $50, PrizePix will give you $50. Don't forget to enter promo code LOCKEDON at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up 
with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And continuing on here at Locked On Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now, Ben, I, I, I feel like I need to own up here. I feel like this loss is a little bit on me because at one point in the first half, I tweeted out saying, man, Luca just forgot how to basketball, huh? Yeah. And I, I, I I hit send and I immediately knew that I had messed up because I even like went back and said right on top of it, quote tweet myself. And I was like, you know what? Luca's going to make me regret sending this tweet in the second half. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. Look, Luca finished the game with 39 points. He had 10 in the first half. And it, it really did like. He looked like he was struggling. He was, you know, all out of sorts. He wasn't he wasn't the Luca that we have become accustomed to seeing on a basketball floor. He wasn't the Luca that just dropped 60 against the Knicks uh, in an OT win. But he turned it on in the third quarter. And I do think that the, the Mavericks approached things differently. And I think the defensive kind of principles that the Rockets had on display in the first half. Jabari, I think, did a really good yes. job as Luca's primary defender there in the first half. And they went away from that a little bit in the second. Got yeah, back to they, it in they, the fourth. But they they kind of they started they they started kind of conceding the switches right where Luke was able to get, you know, other guys on him. And then that's where he was able to really kind of slow the game down and get to those. But he had 19 points in the third quarter, Ben. Yeah. First off, I got to admit that I sort of jinxed it, too. Not nearly to the extent that you did with (laughs) Luca, but I pointed out that when Shingun was six of six from the free throw line, that he's made a huge improvement there this year as far as his free throws. And that's much needed especially when you play in the low post like he does. And, you know, one obvious recourse when you're a low post big man, teams can just foul you. If you're getting too many advantages, you need to make your free throws. And then, of course, he missed his two in the last 10 seconds. I still think that largely that's because they're sort of yanking him in and out of the lineup. Uh, Silas wanting to play KJ Martin for defensive purposes, which I don't fully agree with, but whatever, that's a different discussion. I I think Shingo a little bit out of rhythm. And also, you know, even with those two misses, six of eight for the game is completely fine. Uh, If he's 75% plus, you you can absolutely live with that. But yeah, I jinxed it by... Uh, pointing out that he was six of six. And and then sure enough, as soon as he went to the line, I was like, dear God, I I know I, I jinxed it. Also, by the way, did not like Steven Silas, the play design down three. I think, you know, I saw what he was trying to do with the same play, trying to free up Jalen going to his right for that three that he drew up at the end of the Philadelphia, yeah, Philadelphia game in early December that they won. Now Jalen missed the shot, but it was a clean look. The problem down three, of course, when you give it to LP inside the arc and there's no threat of him putting up a three and a foul, What's teams going to do? They're just going to foul him. And so even if he makes those free throws, they're still down one. So anyway, I, I digress. Uh, but yeah, I had my jinx in there as well. As far as the defense, look, I think Jabari was clearly the best defender for Luca because even if he's sort of, I guess, shaken a bit by Luca, be it, you know, on the perimeter when he's trying to go side to side, or if he's on the low block and using his strength, Jabari has the length to recover to where even if, you know, Luke is able to make him look a little bit silly. Well, guess what? If you're six foot 11, you can overcome that length in a big way. And yeah, they just seem to be less aggressive going after those screens. I think some of it could have had to do also with the foul trouble, because sometimes when you try and go through screens, it it can be risky in terms of, you know, a ticky tack call and the Rockets were in the bonus very quickly in the third quarter. So that kind of contributed to it as well. But yeah, even though Eric Gordon's a better defender, 
And even though he's fairly strong, look, Luke is stronger. He's also taller. You can just shoot right over him. There's no one that's going to really be able to hold him one-on-one. So Jabari with his length, I thought it was an encouraging game for him. I, I wish he had made that last three, obviously, when they were down one in the, the final minute. It was a great look, and, boy, he just missed it badly. And it sort of, you know, continues the last month. We talked about that. For whatever reason, the three-point stroke isn't there. But he is getting better at the other elements of his game. Uh, the defense, he wanted that responsibility. I thought he held up fairly well. He's making more shots near the rim and in the mid-range. There's a lot to like except for the three-point shooting. So at least in terms of Jabari, I liked it. Other than that, I mean, truth be told, it's really frustrating that Jalen Green's still having this many issues in the defensive end in his second year. I know, you know, it's sort of taboo to go after him because he's the franchise player, but besides, you know, shooting worse on offense, really across the board from two, from three, other than free throws, hasn't really made the big jump that we wanted. Defensively, there were so many times last night when guys like Tim Hardaway Jr. and Spencer Dinwiddie just sort of took it right at his chest. I know he put on weight in the offseason, but there's still a lot more to go. He is just 20 years old. I thought last night was a good reminder of that because the Mavs, they're not the most athletic team, but they do have a lot of guys who are fairly strong, that are chiseled, that know what they're doing, especially on the perimeter, and are just willing to go a little bit sort of bully ball from time to time. And I thought they took advantage of Jalen last night as well. So I think, you know, looking at defense, I'd say positive night for Jabari, uh, not so much for Jalen. And one of the big differences, again, I thought Luca really got cooking, combination of some favorable officiating for sure, which Steven Silas pointed out, and then the Rockets going away from Jabari. That's what let the Mavs go from you know, down 18, midway through the third quarter to up one early in the fourth. And that really put them in an, you know, advantage position the rest of the game. Yeah, the 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 swing there in the second half was absurd. You you just knew that Luke was going to wake up at some point, and the fact that he was able to wake up, start hitting shots in the third quarter, and get to the free throw line as many times as he did in this game. What was it? 20, 22, 22. attempts for yeah, twenty two attempts, eighteen makes. That's just an absurd number of free throws for any individual player to yeah. have in a given game. Um, one other thing that I thought was very interesting. There was a moment late in this game, Ben, where. Uh, score was one. Uh, was one one hundred four one hundred three. Rockets were leading by one with just under you know right around four minutes left to go, and KPJ had Christian Wood on a switch mm-hmm. out on the perimeter, and yep. and Al P was posting up down low and had Luca you know uh, you know down low posting up, which I I guess maybe isn't necessarily an outright advantage, but I feel mm-hmm. I feel pretty good about Al P posting up on anybody, uh, and. I don't think anybody would have faulted Kevin for, you know, tight game, one point, you know, one point lead. You've got your ex-teammate Christian Wood in front of you. And I I thought it was a really good moment from KPJ that he didn't decide Mm -hmm. to try and dice up Christian Wood or cook him or whatever and, and, you know, be selfish with the ball. Instead... He, he backed it out. He got the pass down low to Alpi, and Alpi tried to post up Luca. It resulted in a turnover. But I thought that was a really big moment from Kevin to just have that recognition of, hey, like I'm going to get you the post up. You're going to try to do your thing because that's been like throughout this game. That's been what has helped us offensively is we've gone to you a lot this game and it's worked. And so let me get back to that now that you're back. Because this was like a possession or two after Alpi had checked back into the game for the final, you know, four and a half minutes or or so whenever he was back in the game. So I don't know. I thought that was just a really yeah. big moment from Kevin there. And Silas yeah. talked about it after the game. He said that that was, that was a huge moment. That's something that was going to be on film when they look at it in practice. And it's those types of moments, that trust between teammates, that is something that can be built upon and that those moments are incredibly important. 
Yeah. And the counter to that, by the way, I forget what possession it was, but it was in the fourth quarter. You remember when Jalen got an ISO against Christian Wood and sort of backed it out and tried so many ways to get separation, couldn't get separation, took it inside. And then Christian just swatted his shit, put it yeah. right back. And Dallas got a transition break out of that. I was like, wow, uh, you know, that's your boy. Jalen was trying to, you know, so hard to get the highlight on Christian and, and it went the opposite way. He couldn't even get a shot off. Christian just swallowed him. And, you know, I'm sure Christian let him know about it uh, next time out or after the game. <laughs> So as far as KPJ, the one thing I will say that, that I think sometimes can get lost on Twitter, Reddit, really all of social media, because it's just so easy to lend itself to whipping boys, if you will, for someone to become just the poster boy for criticism of, you know, a team, a franchise. In this case, we've talked a lot about KPJ this season, the point guard discourse. Is he the guy your offense should run through? And as I said, you know, in the first segment, the offense for this team has been the biggest problem. I think defensively, they're not perfect, but number one, they are a little bit better than last year. Number two, given the roster construction, the ages, you expect them to be somewhat bad on that side, even within the context of rebuilding teams they shouldn't be as bad as they are on offense. And there's a lot of problems with that. But Kevin Porter Jr., look, there are some positives. I thought that individual play last night was noteworthy. But just in general, throughout the season, I think he's taken accountability. You notice that Jackson, post-game, no matter what, he is one of the guys that wants to talk to reporters. He will take accountability. He will own up to his mistakes. I think that shows a lot of maturity at just 22 years old. And he sort of has to do it, given how young this team is. A lot of guys are 19, yeah. 20. So, he's, so the gr- course, he's the grizzled vet yeah. at 22. But especially given his you know backstory early in the NBA, I think it shows a lot of growth. He's trying really hard. We saw last week when he had those off days, really Christmas, even Christmas Day. And it was coming off the five straight losses to end the homestand, including that Orlando game where they just could not break his own for their life over the final 15 to 18 minutes of that game. And then he responded in Chicago and Boston, two of his best games, 18 assists to two turnovers, including, you know, the Bulls game. That was their best offensive game of the entire season, got everybody involved. So he's trying. Now, does that make him a long-term point guard for this team? Absolutely not. There's other things. But I just think it's very important to note that, yes, he's absolutely trying. He is improving in a lot of ways. Again, as a scorer, he's actually been really good since the end of November. A true shooting percentage of 58 on the volume that he shoots on this team is honestly pretty efficient. He's been doing a very good job for this team. And uh, again, as poor as they've been offensively, just imagine how bad they would be if not for Kevin Porter Jr. sort of propping them up over the past month or so. Now, that's not to say that that they should just stay the course. Absolutely not. Again, I mentioned leading off that I think more possessions through Alper and Shingun. I think that's the obvious lever to pull. There's other things you can do from a, a coaching perspective. And you know whether you want to blame Steven Silas, Raphael Stone, the players, there's a lot of blame to go around, but it shouldn't be one guy. Again, I think to the extent that Kevin Porter Jr. has been a problem this year, he's sort of, I guess, a symptom, not the disease itself. In terms of their offensive lack of creativity, the predictability from time to time, and some of the turnovers, he's not blameless, but he's also not the guy. It's not like, well, you remove Kevin Porter Jr. and so many things are just going to get fixed and better. No, that's completely not fair. And so I think it's important to separate those two things. Is it fair to be annoyed by their lack of a point guard and a lack of organization and accountability and structure on the court at time from time to time? Sure. But we can also, you know, acknowledge that that's more complicated than simply who the point guard is right now. There's a lot of things that go into that. And we can also note that even if you know, the, the point guard dynamics are uneven from time to time. Look, Kevin Porter Jr., he has shown accountability. He is trying to get better. He is growing, especially as a scorer and getting more efficient. He talked about, you know, in the offseason wanting to get his mid-range game, his floater game, finishing at the rim better. It was sluggish to start the year. It's gotten a lot better over the past month. He was really cooking guys in the mid-range last night, which was great to see. Again, that's not to say that he's the guy, but I'm just sort of pointing out that also it's not as simple as saying, well, 
you know, once they fix this Kevin Porter Jr. problem, boy, they've got it figured out, which is what some of the, the discourse on Twitter makes it seem from time to time. He's not a perfect player, but he is getting better. And yeah, I agree with you. Last night was definitely an encouraging step in the right direction. And talking about cooking in the mid-range, there was a, there was a pair of back-to-back possessions where J- Jalen Green cooked Dwight Powell one possession, and the very next possession, KPJ got him on a switch, and then KPJ cooked Dwight Powell as well. And it was it was really funny to see that on back-to-back possessions. And I also like I do think that you know one other positive sign you know coming out of this game is. I did have the chance to ask Steven Silas after the game, you know, just about his thoughts on the the growing two-man game between uh, Kevin and and Shingun. And Steven actually gave like a really long answer that I'm going to have to kind of basically paraphrase here because he actually wound up touching base on on all the guys that are kind of in the starting lineup, like the importance of of Jalen's growth and then Eric and, and Jabari and like all of their impact and, you know, kind of how all those guys come together to achieve what they want to achieve, you know, in a given game. But he did circle it back to, you know, the 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 Kevin and Shingun two-man game, which has improved. And he basically tied it all together in a little bow by saying, our three guys, like, like it 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 stems from the two-man game between Jalen and Shingun, and then also the two-man game between Kevin and Shingun. And those three guys mm. all have to be feeding off of one another for us to be at our best. And I thought that was really encouraging to hear because there have been times this season where we kind of think, man, Shingun kind of feels like an afterthought, maybe, yeah. you know, as far as the structure, the hierarchy. But hearing he's, that from Steven yeah, Silas he's directly. The, he's the common thread there. And, you know, it's an encouraging sign that Steven seems to get it now in terms of getting it and, you know, the actual what happens in practice executing it. on the court, execution of it. Yeah, that's a different matter altogether. And it's his job to communicate that and ultimately get the players to buy in. Again, they are young. We're not even quite to the halfway point yet. So maybe this stuff improves in the weeks ahead. But yeah, I agree. It's an encouraging sign that, you know, it should reaffirm that, yes, he's not, you know, somehow not noticing the same things that that we are on Twitter. He gets it as well. Absolutely. Now, coming up, we've got our Rockets New Year's resolutions. We're going to get there in just one moment. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis this season. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from pro football to college bowl season, basketball. They've got you covered for everything over at BetOnline. It's always the fastest and easiest way to get all of your sports betting info right now. You can head over to BetOnline to take a look at the odds for who the next player is going to be to score 60-plus points in a single game. Right now, Luka Doncic, who just dropped you know a whopping 39 on the on the Rockets is plus 400 favorite to be the next guy to do it right after him is Joel Embiid at plus 600 Steph Curry at plus 600 Jason Tatum at plus 800 and then Giannis Antetokounmpo at plus 900 so for all those odds and more be sure to visit betonline.net to learn more about the trends and action available to you bet online it's where the game starts the NBA playoffs are right around the corner and locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, appreciate you for making LOR your first listen every single day. Free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. Now, Ben, it is the new year. It is 2023. And uh, look, I know we started this new year off with a bang with 
you know, Eric Gordon and the, you know, no improvement comment and, and credit. I mean, you know, maybe some credit to EG, right? It felt like this mm-hmm. team was playing with a bit of a chip on their shoulder against the Mavericks, but let's, let's use this segment. We'll wrap up the show, just kind of discussing some of our, our new year, maybe our new year's resolutions or just, you know, goals, aspirations, whatever for this team uh, over the course of the rest of this season. So I'll, I'll let you tee things off here with your first resolution, if you will. Yeah. My first resolution, and it's more, I guess over the next few weeks, they've got to figure something out with Eric Gordon, either trade him or if he stays, obviously have the tough conversations about what his role is moving forward. Obviously, they are going to pivot to trying to win starting next season. We know the draft pick situation with Oklahoma City, the cap room, et cetera, et cetera. But I think what we what we heard from Eric post game following the Knicks, it, it was so different than what we've seen the last couple of years. We know his situation as a veteran on a rebuilding team is tough. And unlike James Harden and PJ Tucker in early 2021, he's been the good soldier. He's stuck around. And part of the thought process for keeping him and Raphael Stone, GM of the Rockets has made this point was that he is a good influence for the players on the practice court in the locker room, besides just what he brings as a three and D, although the, the D has slipped a bit this year, perhaps that's due to some of these off court issues that we're talking about. The bottom line is that his patience seems to be wearing thin. This was one of the first incidents that I can recall of him showing that frustration so publicly, and it just becoming clear that something about this is untenable. And it's not just what he said that night. And, you know, Stephen Silas did meet with him Monday, and they talked about moving forward, and that's fine. But it also, you know, beyond just what he said that day and whether it's true or not, in my opinion, it's mostly true. But I also think it speaks to the fact that, you know, he's not quite providing that same value and intangibles that he has in the past. I think we also see it from time to time in the defense, which, uh, again, I don't think he's been nearly as dialed in this year as he has been in years past. He just doesn't seem to be as focused. And I think back to what Kelly Eco wrote in the preseason about Eric Gordon wanting either a trade to a contender or a contract situation, uh, a contract extension. He, he wants because, clarity on, yeah, on he wants clarity because his current situation, basically he's in the last guaranteed year and there's a non-guaranteed option, but it's solely at the discretion of the Rockets. So basically they can just completely let him go after the season to make him a free agent. If that's what the Rockets want him to do and be it, you know, guaranteeing that option or perhaps giving him an extension that, you know, he, for, for taking an extra year or two in his contract, maybe he gives them a lower average annual value AAV, if you will. There's lots of ways that you could go about it, but yeah, he just wants clarity, as you said. And I think at this point, they've got to figure this out. Obviously the deadline is February 9th. That's barely over a month away. I think the likely scenario, especially with Jay Sean Tate, apparently close to finally coming back is that he gets dealt because you need to free up minutes for your younger players, especially when Tate comes back. But look, there is a case to keep Eric as well. I mean, we know what he brings on the court. And if they think that he could be valuable a year from now on the Rockets team that's trying to win, if they want to go after James Harden, which has been reported, and of course, James Harden has a certain degree of comfort with Eric Gordon. And you think that as Tim McMahon said on one of his recent podcasts, that keeping Eric can be a selling point to James, then okay, we can talk about that. But one way or another, we need to fix this. The current situation is untenable. So either you trade him by the deadline, which I still think is the odds on likely scenario, or if you keep him because you think that he fits in after this season, perhaps he helps you with Harden, those types of things, then okay, let's talk about an extension, talk about what it takes to make him happy. Because the bottom line is right now, he's clearly unhappy. And even if you do buy into what the Rockets have said in the past about EG being, you know, the perfect veteran for a rebuilding team and being the right influence, he's clearly not quite the same influence that he was in previous years. He is frustrated. And one way or another, they've got to get this, this situation figured out. And again, I think the most likely scenario was trade. And even if they don't get the first round pick that allegedly they could have gotten a year from now and that they think he's worth, 
because now he's 34 years old and he hasn't had quite the season this year that he did last year. Whatever, look, at the end of the day, whether the Rockets get, you know, a pick in the 20s a year ago or a pick in the 30s this year or a future year, it's really not that big of a deal in the grand scheme of your rebuild. The bigger issue is actually getting this situation resolved, either getting him off your roster so you don't have the minutes log jam, or if you do see him as a guy who's going to impact your next couple of years as well, then okay, figure that out. Figure out his next contract. Get him to where he's in the right frame of mind to be a good influence for the young guys now to say the right things about your organization to James Harden or any other veteran players around the NBA that you might want to pursue one way or another. You've got to figure out Eric Gordon. To me, that's the the imminent resolution that they need to figure out over these next few weeks. Yeah, I think that is that is, uh, you know, the the biggest elephant in the room is what is going to happen with Eric Gordon? Are they going to, you know, trade him, move on from him or just, you know, can you can you just figure out some clarity with his situation? Right. Because if this is, you know, and and I think the the calculus on how this team is maybe going to be approaching like this specific trade deadline and, and how they're going to be trying to figure out their moves in the coming, you know, weeks and months. I think the the calculus on that kind of shifted the moment that that James Harden news came out because right if if you have the chance to bring a guy like that back next season then maybe there is a world where it does make sense to mm-hmm. hold on to Eric Gordon right if you're able to you know figure out what a new contract looks like with him and you're able to get him on you know maybe a bit of a discounted deal or a team friendly type contract where yeah, he's not making, you know, the, the 20 million that, you know, is yeah. on the final year of his deal. You decline that, whatever, but give him, give him the, the confidence in a new deal, whatever. I just, I also can't really subscribe to the notion of like Eric Gordon continuing to start. If that's the idea, like I, yeah. I definitely, before the season, I thought, you know, maybe they could phase him out, right? Like, you know, bring him, move him into that back into that six man role, have him coming off the bench. You know, there's other younger guys, KJ Martin, Jay Shantate, yeah. obviously Tari Easton has flash potential guys who probably should be starting ahead of him and probably deserve to be starting ahead of him. But there's like a sense of like safety that he provides in that starting lineup. Yeah. And my guess is that him starting is basically a carrot that they threw at him to start this season because of these other dynamics, all this uncertainty. They know that he's not thrilled with that lack of clarity we were referencing. So it's sort of like, Hey, we can't give you this right now, but what if we start you and we guarantee your minutes and we give you this structure well, the bottom line, it's pretty clear now, especially with his, you know, I don't want to say meltdown, but just airing of grievances, the um, New Year's Eve Festivus, if you will, that he showed after the Knicks game, that he needs something else. I still yeah. think the odds on likely scenario is a trade, but one one way or another, you've got to resolve that. If you do keep him, let's talk about ways to make him, you know, the type of influence that he was the last couple of years and not quite the guy that he's been so far this year. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, you know, Coming in here, I, I I think for me, I, I'm I'm desperately looking for. I want to see. I just want to see more consistency from Jalen. I think that's got to be like he he has these you know these crazy highs and he looks re- you know he has these stretches where he looks really really good where everything is is all coming together where the three ball is falling and he's ma- you know he's able to get downhill and he's finishing at the rim getting to the free throw line like when he when he has those games where he puts it all together he looks unguardable right he looks mm-hmm. unstoppable but. There's been, I feel like this season especially, there's been stretches where he just, you know, the the shot isn't falling and then it kind of like impacts the rest of his game or he's, you know, not not as locked in as he should be on defense. It's definitely one of those where it's like, it feels like he gets up for some of those bigger games, right? When there's like the moment, like against the Hawks or in the Bucks game, right? Where he's just, you know, the kind of the, the whole like idea of playing up to or playing down to your opponent kind of thing. And for Jalen especially, just over the rest of this season, to have that confidence, right? If he's going to be the the cornerstone, the franchise guy, the face of the franchise, all this stuff, 
to have that confidence in him moving forward, yes, it's just, you know, he's in year two. He's got plenty of time. I'm not like saying you hit the panic button or anything, but I would like to start seeing some more of that consistency, right? Like I would like to start yeah. seeing him like when he, when the shot isn't falling, right? Realizing, okay, my three ball is not going tonight. Okay. I'm going to put my head down. I'm going to get to the rim, right? I'm going to initiate contact. I'm going to make the refs blow the whistle so that I can get some easy buckets, right? So that I'm not completely taken out of this game just because my shot isn't going and like yeah. things like that kind of realizing the ways that he can get himself going over the course of a game or, you know, if he's in a funk, if he's in a shooting slump, in a ba- in a down stretch, realizing how he can get himself going to kind of iron out that consistency a little bit. So, yeah, maybe there's a night where the three ball isn't falling, but he got to the paint, he got to the free throw line or vice versa. Maybe he isn't getting calls one night, but the three ball's going in. So, like, he's able to balance out the efficiency because of that. Yeah, and related to that, I would say another resolution for me, find another primary playmaker that's a clear deficiency right now. And maybe it starts as we talked about in segment one with running through offense, uh, running more offense through Alper and Shingun and sort of experimenting with the back half of this season and seeing how that goes. We'll see what happens in the draft lottery. Maybe they're in a spot to draft Scoot Henderson, maybe in free agency, they're able to lure James Harden, which has been reported. But to me in the macro, the biggest thing hanging over this franchise are the questions on the offensive side of the ball. We've talked about this ad nauseum in terms of where they rank in the league and offensive rating. And with a system that is tilted this much towards offense in terms of their assets, their coaching, they should not be this bad, both at a team level and then the most important individual level uh, player. It's Jalen Green, as you were just saying, and he clearly has not taken the step forward this year that a lot of us really wanted to see. They've got to figure this out offensively. We all agree that Kevin Porter Jr., while potentially still a valuable player, it's not like he's the long-term point guard. So start to find who a primary playmaker could be. And I'm saying playmaker doesn't have to be a point guard. If Alperin Shingun somehow does turn into Nikola Jokic, then okay. Maybe you can run your offense through a point center at times. It's not like you have to do it with a traditional point guard. It's not like Jamal Murray is that much of a traditional point guard in Denver. I think it's just a matter of finding who can sort of initiate your offense and put guys like Jalen Green in the best position to succeed. To me, that's what they've got to figure out. Is it Scoot Henderson? Is it James Harden? Is it, you know, experimenting with the guys in the current roster like Alperin, Shingun, and getting them in a better position to succeed? I just think you've got to be able to try these things and by the end of this year have, if not the answer, at least someone who could be. Because right now, it's clear, offensively, that is the really concerning thing in terms of where this franchise, where this current version of them is and isn't. They've got to figure this out. And by the end of 2023, between another high draft pick, the cap space, and just the young talent you already have in place, you need to experiment. They've been experimenting with Kevin Porter Jr. to this point. You've got a bit of data on that. Now let's start to see what you do with more operation doing usage. Let's see what happens in the draft. Let's see what happens in free agency. But sort of addressing that, that playmaking void, to me, that's something that they've got to do in 2023. Absolutely. No, couldn't agree more. And, and, and I will say I will give some credit to Jalen just because he, you know, maybe he hasn't taken quite the the leap or the step forward we were hoping to see this year. I will give him credit. He he has had those flashes as a playmaker that I and, do think really are, yeah. are encouraging. But and the free throws are a big deal, too. We should be talking about that. The improved volume on free throws is going to suit him really well long term. Yeah, 3.5 attempts per game last year to, to six six attempts a game this year. And as long as that continues to improve, again, you know, no, not no like five alarm fire or anything right now with Jalen Green. It's just, you know, a desire to see that, you know, some more consistency kind of ironing out over the back half of this season. Now, Ben, last one here, and this is maybe less so a resolution and more just like a 
please, 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 please happen. And that's obviously uh, landing the number one overall pick would be oh, incredible because okay. that that yeah. would be I, again, I don't know how to classify that as a resolution per se, but, um, yeah. you know, getting well, some lottery luck here via the basketball gods would be incredible. Yeah, because if you have Jalen Jabari and and Victor, you can basically out talent teams. We talk a lot about, you know, needing, you know, the playmaker and not going to say it's not a need if you get those guys, but there can come a point where even if you do have some structural issues that your talent advantage is just so overwhelming that you beat teams with that. I'm not going to say you do it day one with Wemby. Obviously there is a learning curve for everyone, but if you have Jalen Shapari and Wemby as your young core, it, it sort of uh, increases your margin for error elsewhere, but you don't have to be as perfect in terms of finding the perfect solution for these, you know, structural issues when you're just your raw talent base is that overwhelming. And to me, that would be, you know, one of the best young cores in the NBA since, you know, the Durant Russ Harden thunder from, like 12, 13 years ago. I mean, we'll see if they all pan out, but just in terms of the raw talent of that trio, that would be insane. And there can come a point, again, you can't win just on talent, but it can give you a much greater margin for error for some of these structural issues elsewhere that we've been talking about. I find it very fitting that we kind of end the show talking about margin for error, given the fact that Eric Gordon, during his no improvement speech, talked about the fact that they have such a slim margin for error. So there we go. That's how we bring this thing full circle. But I will say, you know, and I I, I need to remember to be better at doing this, but I remember this time Rockets did pick up an L, which means we run a -a tankathon sim here at the end of the show. Rockets currently have the third best lottery odds, Detroit number one, Charlotte number two, and then Houston at number three. So let's go ahead and spin this wheel and see where the Rockets land and uh, okay, not great. Um, Charlotte bumped up to number one, so Charlotte wins the Wimby sweepstakes. Oh. Orlando jumps up three spots to number two. Minnesota jumps up oh seven spots to number three, which then conveys to Utah. And Houston fell one spot to number four. Detroit really, ooh, they 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 got a gigantic L on this one. They fell four mm-hmm. spots all the way down to number five. That is Ooh. the lowest possible outcome for the Pistons. So a tough shake on this lottery sim. Unfortunately, our resolution or just, you know, whatever prayers were not answered on this one. We'll do better next time, guys. I apologize. But Ben, you know the drill. Let everybody know where they can track you down at. Yep. Uh, ben Dubose on Twitter, the Rocketswire on Twitter, the Logger Line on Twitter, and of course, Rocketswire.usatoday.com for all of your daily written Houston Rockets coverage. That's going to do it for another edition of Locked on Rockets. As always, thank you so much for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcast. That's Apple, Spotify, Google, the Odyssey app, free and available on all podcast platforms. We're also available on YouTube. Just go to YouTube, search Locked on Rockets. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. We look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.